Love What Matters presents Your Story is a production of Love What Matters and iHeartRadio. I'm Colin Balf, founder and CEO of Love What Matters, and welcome to Love What Matters presents Your Story. Each week, we'll hear an incredible story of compassion, kindness, and above all, love. I mean, to me, it wasn't really that much of a difference as any other cancer. I've heard from people that have said that, you know, you're so brave for you know talking about this because a lot of men have the stigma about having breast cancer. And to me, it's like, I, I just can't fathom why it's that much of a big deal compared to other cancers. I mean, cancer's cancer, you know, regardless. Either, either way, it's bad news. To me, I mean, it's not embarrassing. It's, it's just like any other health issue. Maybe it's the way some people are raised. Maybe it's... The whole, you know, boys don't cry, boys don't do this, boys don't, you know, I mean, I mean, I have friends who are raised by parents like that. They try to do the tough guy thing like, oh, you know, I got something wrong with me, but I'm not going to go get a looked at because whatever, you know, it'll pass. And to me, that's just, it's silly. It's like, you know, I mean, it's important to get checked out, especially if you have a wife or kids at home. That's a no brainer. I mean, you really got to take care of yourself because you got to be around for them. My name is Michael Demopoulos. I'm 46 years old, and I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Michael, like many of us, never expected to be diagnosed with cancer. One night, after coming home from the gym, he discovered a small lump on his chest. He didn't think it was anything serious, but that's when his wife, Lou, stepped in. Like most guys, like I almost wrote it off because I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, I got this weird looking pimple on my chest, and I'm thinking, nah, it's probably nothing. It's just a cyst. But it felt hard. That's what made it different from anything else was that it felt almost like a marble underneath my skin. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, that's kind of weird. So I showed it to my wife. And, you know, and, you know, my wife's not the type to be like, you know, like, oh, my God, you need to go see a doctor. And she was like, no, she's like, you should probably get that looked at. Lou made the right call. With her encouragement, Michael went to see his doctor. The small lump that seemed like nothing turned out to be something that Michael could have never anticipated, breast cancer. I was actually at home when I got the phone call stating that my test was also to come back and that was cancer. I had gone to my family physician and he didn't like the looks of the lump or pimple that he had found near my nipple. And, you know, he would send me for an ultrasound and which turned into a biopsy. And I had to wait to close to a week for the results. And I was sitting in a basement drinking a cup of coffee and my family physician calls me and tells me that the results were that it was carcinoma. It was incredibly hard news to hear. Michael's life had just changed in ways he couldn't possibly imagine. Suddenly, he was in a world full of doctors, tests, and treatments. The best way I can describe it is feeling like somebody just walked over your grave. i pretty much sure I was white as a ghost. I, you know, I got up, uh, I started getting ready for work, and you know, my stepdaughter's like, you know, Mike, what's wrong, you all right? And I said, nah, I said, I pretty much told her real quick what happened. And I went to work and gave him the bad news. And that same day, I had to go meet with the oncologist at the, uh, the hospital, and they were going to give me my test results. I went back and told my coworkers, and they were all pretty much, like, shocked. I mean, everybody was like, even my boss was like, oh, my God, you know, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. And I'm just like, like, dude, I have cancer. <laughs> you know, it's kind of mind-blowing, really. And, you know, and it's like once after it sinks in and you start to calm down, it's just kind of like, you almost go into, like, slow motion. Like, it, it's just kind of like, okay. You make a list in your head of what all you have to do. You have to go meet with the doctors. You have to do this. You have to do that. You know, we met with my surgeon and stuff, and God love her. She was getting ready to take vacation when they found out about this. And uh, I kept telling them, I'm like, you cannot postpone the surgery. Like, seriously, like, if you don't do this, I'm going to take a bottle of whiskey and a knife. I'm going to cut this out myself. 
I was like, I just want this thing out of my chest. And she actually postponed her vacation because she wanted to do the surgery right away to make sure just in case they had caught it early, which they did, thank God. It's not lost on Michael how lucky he was to discover the cancer early. And he gives his wife a lot of the credit for pressing him to get checked out. I've told her and I've told other people, I mean, I owe her my life. Another thing I learned is like when you're diagnosed with cancer, they don't know initially like what the stage is. For them to know what kind of stage it's at, they actually have to go in and operate. And I found out that they caught it stage one, but that the tumor I had was a very aggressive one. So if I hadn't said anything, well, pretty much I probably wouldn't be here. More with Michael after a quick break. Welcome back to Love What Matters. Here's more from Michael's story. A week after his diagnosis, Michael began his treatment process, starting with surgery to remove the tumor in his chest. The surgery itself didn't scare me at all. It was actually very quick and done, and I was in the hospital for two days and went home, and that was that. And I was at home for like three weeks. The scariest part for me was doing the chemo because I was actually terrified of doing chemo because all the stories I've heard of being sick and, you know, I mean, the majority of people don't handle chemo very well. And, And I was just sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I can't eat. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's not that I didn't have any side effects. I mean, like, I lost all my hair. It's like I felt very weak and tired all the time. But surprisingly, instead of being sick and nauseous all the time from the chemo drugs, and like, my appetite actually increased. It was funny. I gained weight while I was on chemo. Yeah, it's like, you know, like, oh, instead of being sick, I'm, like, sitting at home snacking. I'm like, okay, this ain't too bad. Michael found a strong, uplifting community of doctors, nurses, and other cancer patients and survivors forming around him, and he still cherishes them to this day. It's kind of odd to me, but when, you're, when you've already had cancer, if you're a cancer survivor, and I've met a ton of people over the past few years, everybody from the nurses and doctors at the hospital to other patients that I would just chit-chat with in the waiting room, and I've gotten to the point now where it's like, you know, some people like to keep their health to themselves, which is fine. I respect that. But I'm one of those people I talk about. And I've met all kinds of people. I've met people that were like breast cancer survivor, or cancer survivors, period. I mean, I've met people that are like stage four. And, and by the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing because a lot of people think that once you're stage four, that that's pretty much it. But it's not. I actually have friends that were stage four and they're actually doing really well. Some of the people I've met, it's like, just the fact that you've been through this together, like they know your situation. Like I've met strangers I feel like I could talk to like forever. I mean, there was even like a few people that have like asked me questions because after I initially did the story with Instagram for Love What Matters, I've had people actually reach out to me on Instagram and ask me questions or even just like thank me like, hey, I just found out my brother has breast cancer and you know, I'd, I'd contact them and wish them the best. And they're like, oh my God, that means so much to me. I appreciate it. It's almost like you become part of like a family. A vital part of his support community, someone who had been there since day one, was of course, Michael's wife, Lou. Now, if anything, my relationship with my wife actually got even better. I mean, God love her. I owe her so much. I mean, she, my, her and my family all together. I mean, everybody supported me. I had an amazing support system. And it also helped that I kept getting good news. So, I mean, that made it even better. The thing that sticks out in my mind the most is the fact that uh, every time I went for chemo, which was usually like every Monday or every other Monday, I should say, she would actually make sure she took off work so I wouldn't have to do chemo by myself. And that just meant the world to me. It just amazes me, like, how close my family was during all that. And 
I mean, I'll forever be grateful. You know, I mean, words don't even describe just like the feeling I had knowing that my family was behind me like that. More on Love What Matters right after a quick break. I'm Colin Balf. Welcome back to Love What Matters. In addition to the hospital staff, his wife and family and his fellow patients, Michael's support system came to include one very unexpected member from his past. It was either the first time or the second time I went for chemo. And one of the volunteers was walking around handing out towels and blankets and uh, water bottles and whatnot. I'm, I'm sitting there looking at him and I'm like, this guy looks familiar. He's like walking around the room. And all of a sudden, as he finally dawns on me, I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's Tom Stoller from middle school. I was like, that was my civics teacher. So I started talking to him. And sure enough, it was him. Like he was retired. And apparently his uh, wife was a cancer survivor. And because of that, he volunteered at the hospital. So, I mean, that was an amazing surprise. Like, I loved seeing him there. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like seeing, like, one of your friends, like, when you're sitting there doing chemo. It's just, like, it's very relaxing. Like, it helps you kind of put you at ease. While male breast cancer is rare enough to begin with, Michael soon found out he was an anomaly within an anomaly. Breast cancer doesn't run in this family, making his diagnosis all the more uncommon. The one thing I learned from, you know, talking with the oncologist and stuff is that most men that get breast cancer, with most women, it's random. Usually it's not like genetic, although it can be, but usually it's just like a random thing. But with men, it's almost always like, uh, you know, it runs in your bloodline. But uh, they, we did like a DNA test and found out that it was actually just a random. They go in percentages, like, like it was, it's crazy the way mine turned out because normally male breast cancer is rare to begin with. And what made mine even rare is the fact that they did a DNA test to make sure that my daughter wouldn't be in danger. And it turns out that it doesn't run in my family tree at all. So mine was just random. So it was a slight percentage of it ever coming back. But I have to take, no, I have to take like the anti-cancer drugs like tamoxifen to make sure it doesn't prevent it from coming back. There's always that chance, but I still keep up with the, the physicals like every six months. Michael knows there is a certain stigma around male breast cancer, a stigma fueled both by the rarity of the cancer, but also by societal ideals, gender norms, and ideas of masculinity. I can't understand why any man would choose not seeing a doctor if there's something wrong with them and possibly risk your life over something that can be easily tested. I mean, it's like if I have a choice between possibly risking my life or saving my life and going to see a doctor over something strange that I found out of my chest, I'll definitely go see a doctor. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Why you would want to risk possible death and then, you know, and harm the people that you love in your life over stubbornness, male pride, whatever you want to call it. I'm sorry. It's male breast cancer, something that should be treated as pretty much anything else. If there's anything that I want to get across through this interview is that I mean, there's guys, like I said earlier, there's guys out there that might be feeling like either too embarrassed or to them it's no big deal to go get looked at if there's like something wrong with them that's out of the ordinary. Man, go get looked at. Seriously, it doesn't take that long. And if there's, if you're having any kind of health issues, you could possibly be saving your life and not realizing it. After going through this experience, Michael maintains the position, we need to destigmatize asking for help. He urges others to speak up when something is wrong and to take health concerns seriously. Get checked out regularly, go for like physicals and stuff. If there's anything wrong with you that's any way out of the ordinary, that's 
something you've never seen before, whether it be a lesion or a discoloring of your skin, whatever. I mean, get it looked at because, I mean, you'd never know. I mean, I like I said, I owe my wife my life. If I would have wrote that off as being a pimple, I, more than likely I probably wouldn't be around right now. Michael's experience with breast cancer left him with a new appreciation for his family, his doctors, and for his life. Like I said, I had an amazing support system, and it wasn't just my family and like close friends. I mean, even the doctors and nursing staff and everybody, everything else. I just want people to know, and I, I speak from experience because I have friends, because I've kept in touch with a lot of the people that I know that had cancer. Like I said, I have an ex-roommate from college who's actually, he had stage four kidney cancer, and he's actually doing incredibly well now. Um, he had lost a kidney, but he went for immunotherapy, and it, the, pretty much the cancer's in remission. He's doing great. And I would just want people to know that I know there's people out there that when they finally do, sometimes they catch their cancer at a later stage, and for that reason, they might be scared and thinking, oh God, you know, that's it. And that's not it. With all the medical technology that we have nowadays and all the chemicals and everything else, I mean, just because you're caught cancer at a later stage doesn't mean that it's a death sentence. I mean, you can still beat it. And I've seen that quite a few times. Bottom line, I I know people are busy nowadays. People have their careers and everything else. Your health comes first, first and foremost. And then especially especially if you have a family. And you're no good to them if you're not around. So, I mean, if there's something wrong with you physically, I mean, get yourself checked out. Go get it. It's not going to hurt. Thanks for listening today. I hope you heard something that inspires and empowers you. For more stories like this one, check out lovewhatmatters.com. This podcast is a production of Love What Matters and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Colin Balfe. The Love What Matters Presents Your Story podcast is produced by Miranda Hawkins and me and mixed by Josh Thane. Emily Marinoff is our engineer and Aaron Kaufman is our editor. Editorial oversight by Miranda Hawkins and me with help from Emily Marinoff and Juliet Miller. Special thanks to Nikki Etor, Kevin Balf, Chris Balf, Wilson Garrett, Red Seat Ventures, and Craig Kitchen. You can find more inspiring stories at lovewhatmatters.com. We'll see you next week.